This week on Millennial, if we had to get a word, not a person or pet's name, tattooed on our face, what would it be? I would get nah. <laughs> That's a good one. Don't talk to me. Leave me alone. You know, like when you go on an international flight, sometimes you have a double-decker plane. This is literally like somebody's almost sitting in your lap, but above you. Your yes. face is literally, if you're on the bottom row, your face is in somebody's butt. I was thinking about this too. <laughs> and you're not worried about them stalling out the plane? This plane <laughs> has been tested more than any other plane in history. Yeah, it's that's fair. Fine. It's fine. It's so funny. If I go down, I'll go down with my AirPods connected to the screen, and I'll think that's pretty cool. <laughs> I'll, I'll die nerding out over the latest technology. Welcome to Millennial, the home of fake adulting and breaking your soul. I'm Andrew. <laughs> I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. I didn't know that was Laura. the copy. I didn't know that was in the copy either. <laughs> but I think Pam knows, gets it, and Laura might not. I don't. Why Laura, would I get it? figure it out. Oh, come on! It's the new Beyonce song, Break oh, Your Soul. Oh, yes, wow. yes, of course, of course. Wow. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. What? I saw, that she, I saw that she released it, but I've been busy today. It's been out for nearly 24 hours. I thought you would have been know, on that yesterday. I know, I know, I know. Oh, my goodness. All right, well, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I really am the only gay person here. You're um, the only real well, Beyonce fan. <laughs> she's bringing back New Music Tuesdays. That's exciting. Uh, she released her first single. She re- she announced that her new album is coming in July, I believe, end of July. Yeah, perfect for me. I'll consider that a late birthday present. Thank you, Beyonce, despite <laughs> the fact that we just established I am a fake fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, time to study up. No, the song's good. Actually, a lot. it's resonating with a lot of millennials because the song is a little bit gay. Beyonce tells us to quit our jobs. And it just leans into the whole, the great resignation that's going on right now. So people think Bay is on top of all that. Do you feel like it's ushering a new era in terms of sound? It has been described as 90s club music. Oh, great. Oh, Fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. And that might be where she's going with the whole album, that's I guess. That's interesting. We'll okay. Do I have that right? 90s something. Well, 90s club, I don't know. I haven't listened like to that. it, but like 90s, 90s club, like that gives me a... Uh, definitely a good idea of what you were describing. Uh, the only reason I say it's interesting is because I feel like 70s disco infused pop is really having a moment right now. And not that Beyonce is a traditional pop artist, but I would be, I will be very interested to see if her leaning into a more 90s sound is going to affect the trajectory of everybody else making music after her. It's a good point. I'm now thinking about Laura hearing me say and breaking your soul and Laura being like, damn, he must be having a really shitty week. I know. I was I was like, oh, my God, are there I was some... scrolling through all of the TikTok <laughs> memes that I've seen recently trying to figure out if it was like a reference to that. But you know, I was like, are we getting a bombshell in After Dark today or something? There is a story coming in After Dark today. I wouldn't call it a break your soul bombshell, but a good story for sure. Well, anyway. Today's June 21st. We just passed Juneteenth. This is the first year it's being recognized as a federal holiday here in the U.S. What is the history of Juneteenth? Juneteenth celebrates the day in Texas in 1865 when some of the last slaves were informed of their freedom. 
it's particularly notable because it also marks the true end of slavery, despite the fact that President Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation was signed two years earlier in 1863. So it took a couple of years for the news to make it to all corners of the country. And Juneteenth is the the celebration of when the last slaves found out they were free. So it's, it's a good day to look back on and an important an important federal holiday. And thank you to the Biden administration for bringing this into uh, law last year. Yeah. And just wild to think that for so long, it wasn't really widely known. I only learned about Juneteenth yeah. in the last five, 10 years or so. Yeah. That's what yeah. I was going to say, five years or so. It's a, it is important to note that Juneteenth has been being celebrated by the black community for a very very long time mm-hmm. so the celebrations aren't necessarily anything new but i think the the universal acknowledgement of how important that date is is important and so it's really yeah. nice to see that message spreading like even my mom's work they were closed yesterday in observance of juneteenth and they put up a sign in front of the door so that anybody that didn't really understand why there was a federal holiday could just like read a few bullet notes about why it's significant and why oh, it was signed great. into effect, which I think is really great. Yeah, that is great. Yeah, especially with how new this is. Right, exactly. At least being a federal holiday. Yeah, and she was like, a, this is a bit of a side note, she was like especially glad that they sent over some like, you know, very easily digestible bullet notes because somebody misspoke and said it was a Black Lives Matters thing, which it's really not. Nope. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So she at least she felt better about being able to, you know, properly inform the clientele that they work with there. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Somebody thinking that I know this is a tangent, but it's it's just so reflective of where we are as a country with regard to race, particularly white people I'm speaking of, and the fact that they see something that's associated with black people and it's like, oh, well, it must be Black Lives Matter. Yeah. <laughs> it It's just so disheartening. But I'm really glad to know that your mom and her co-workers were there to uh, inform them. Yeah, she made everybody she made sure everybody had a handout and like understood the points made so that everybody knew exactly what to say if anyone said anything. And it was all good from there on out. So love Mama G. Mm-hmm. She's yeah. great. Wanted to provide everybody with an update on the January 6th committee hearings. They are ongoing. There was another hearing today, Tuesday, June 21st. There was also one this past Thursday. And boy, were were there some bombshells in this one. First of all, one of Trump's personal lawyers, John Eastman, he had asked Pence's lawyer the night of the insurrection, quote, I implore you to consider one more relatively minor violation (laughs) of federal law. This is a lawyer asking somebody else to (laughs) violate federal law. Are you kidding me? The night of January 6th? Hey, just can we do one more outrageous thing? Just a little thing, please. It's like we've already done so much. What's one more? What's one more minor federal violation? Come on, YOLO. And then this guy, John Eastman. He later told Giuliani, I've decided I should be on the pardon list, if that's still in the works. (laughs) 
<laughs> that spawned a whole meme online of people <laughs> posting pictures of pop culture characters saying, I've decided I should be on the party list if that's still in the world. That's, that's going to be, I'm going to make a meme of myself and put this <laughs> quote on it. And then anytime Andrew is pinging me being like, your mic is too loud or too low. I'm just going <laughs> to send it to him. No response. This is going to be me writing to the current president whenever the um, music industry comes after a millennial for all that official music we used to play at yeah. the end of the show. <laughs> Wait, we didn't do that. We didn't do that. Nobody go back and listen. Um, there was also some big revelations about Pence that day. Rioters came within 40 feet of him. That was the first time we learned that rioters got that close. And when they were getting close to him, he was brought to an underground loading zone where he was for five hours. And there is a striking photo released last week of Pence in this loading zone on the phone while watching one of the videos that Trump had tweeted probably just minutes prior. And it's such a striking image because it shows the disconnect between the president and the vice president. The vice president isn't talking to the president. He's figuring out what the president is thinking by watching a video he posted to Twitter while Pence is on the phone, probably with AIDS, being like, holy shit, over all of this. Of course, he doesn't curse. He's a good Christian. Uh, I feel like the inevitable January 6th you know, motion feature film that will come out in a few years is going to have this scene just for the the juxtaposition. Yeah, yeah. Between these two. Um, it also pains me to recognize that there probably will be a movie very soon. Oh, probably. I mean, we <laughs> already have so two mad. game stonk movies in the works and that oh, also right. recent history. What do you think they'll call it? I think they'll call it Insurrection. That sounds pretty <laughs> That's good. It. That's the title. I like it. They like going for the simple movie titles these days, right? Or trying to. Meanwhile, there was a confidential witness who traveled with the Proud Boys to D.C. And this person testified they would have killed Pence and Pelosi had they gotten the chance. Great. Also, Trump called Pence, quote, a pussy over the phone to Pence. He called him a pussy over the phone. That's the president talking to his vice president. This was before the insurrection itself. I believe this was the morning of January 6th when Pence, of course, wasn't doing what Trump wanted him to do, which Pence also legally could not do. So those were some of the takeaways. A lot of people are lionizing Pence, right, for his actions on that day and around those days. Yeah, and it's driving me nuts. I mean, he is someone who was happy to overwhelmingly blow with the prevailing wind for that the entirety of that administration. And it wasn't until it became very clear that a Pandora's box had been opened, which would never be shut, that Pence all of a sudden decided to do his constitutional duty. So I don't think about him enough to hate him or anything, but I also just don't feel as though he deserves to be celebrated. He was part of everything up until January 6th. So he contributed. Whether he wants to admit it or not, he did. I mean, that's that's a good point. It's not like he was doing his own rounds to try and smooth over a lot of this toxic vitriol that led to the 6th and the insurrection. So... I agree with both of you. I mean, this is like the least that he could do. And it's not even like he went above and beyond the call of duty 
in what he ended up contributing to, which is just that saying that he wasn't going to call for an overturn of the election and he wasn't going to say that, you know, the votes were miscounted or anything like that. So, yeah, he was doing his job that day, that week. And for that, I don't think he deserves any applause. Like, I'm glad he didn't side side with Trump, but also... This is what being a true patriot would look like, a true American would look like. Following the law. Go figure. The bar is so low. Yeah. Oh, I I hope he runs for president. That's going to be some good fireworks watching Pence and Trump duke it out. Imagine the debates. Oh, God, the debates. Mm -hmm. I didn't even think of that. Oh, it's going to be a dumpster fire. But I'll tune in with popcorn. (laughs) And it, it was pretty clear even before this that these two have been at odds for a while now. Um, for example, they've they've both backed opposing candidates in all of the primaries that are going on this season. For example, here in Georgia, Trump had backed our incumbent governor, Brian Kemp, or excuse me, Trump had backed um, David Perdue, and Pence had backed Brian Kemp. Um, and those two were effectively stealing all criticism from anything the Democrats were doing in Georgia because those two camps were fighting because of Trump and Pence. So we already knew they were not <laughs> they were not um, happy with each other anymore. But this just solidified it. I saw it reported just in the past week. They haven't spoken to one another since last summer. Yeah. So it's been about a year. I mean, like encouraging your followers to, you know, kill him and his family. It's hard to come back from friendship wise, relationship wise. I mean, Ted Cruz is managed. So, well, he's he's a real bitch. We all know that. (laughs) So today, Tuesday, June 21st, there was another hearing and we learned that Trump was personally involved in a scheme to put forward fake electors. The House committee revealed this at their hearing. An aide for U.S. Senator Ron Johnson told former Vice President Mike Pence's staff that the Republican from Wisconsin wanted to hand deliver to Pence fake elector votes from his state and neighboring Michigan. This was revealed in text messages. They wanted to deliver fake electors. Well, and this just affirms what we we had already heard about some states attempting to pull the fake electors Mm -hmm. trick but this is i believe the first time we've had it directly confirmed yeah that it happened so oh and of course a spokesperson for johnson didn't describe them as fake electors they described them as alternative electors just like alternative facts remember that they pulled a kellyanne yeah nice little throwback to kellyanne conway alternative electors Wow. I really oh, despise this country Liz. right now. I know. <laughs> I have no words. But here's some good news. A new poll has revealed that 60% of Americans believe Trump should be prosecuted for his role in inciting the violence on January 6th. So that's nice good. to see that a majority of this country. Finally. Yeah. And yeah. maybe these hearings are helping. Honestly, it's not enough. I wish it was higher. Well, but it's a start. Yeah, I mean, this poll was just conducted June 17th and 18th among 545 adults. And there's there was today's hearing. There's another hearing this Thursday. There's going to be additional hearings, including a couple in September. So maybe that'll continue to push this 60% upward. So those are some updates. Upsetting, but important to talk about and share. And we just can't forget. And I really like that these hearings are presenting everything in one nice wrapped up package. Yeah. 
And their narrative is so good. Apparently, they actually have a producer. Did you I'm hear sure that? I'm sure they do. Like, like this yeah. is a TV show. Smart move. Well, something that potentially might be a smart move for the airline industry, but not a smart move as far as, as passengers are concerned, is this new double, double-decker plane layout design that was proposed recently at this year's Aircraft Interiors Expo, which I guess is a really big deal if you are in this industry. So this uh, design was created by an industrial designer named Alejandro Nunez Vicente, and they unveiled this design at this expo. And the concept is basically for a new double-decker airline seating plan. I don't know if you guys saw pictures of this, but I'm already feeling claustrophobic <laughs> just looking at it because basically yes. it's not like, you know, like when you go on a international flight, sometimes you have a double decker plane. This is literally like somebody is almost sitting in your lap, but above you. Your yes. face is literally if you're on the bottom row, your face is in somebody's butt. Right. This is exactly what I wanted to bring up. <laughs> I, I was look thinking at this, about this too. And I'm like, there's a straight line from the person above you's butthole to your face. That fart is going straight into your face. (laughs) I mean, airplanes are already fart tubes. (laughs) I know. We already have to deal with this. I mean, you know, even especially in economy, which I think we all probably, I'm assuming we all fly economy for the most part. Mm -hmm. If somebody is going to recline, like they're already in your face. So this is 10 times worse. Oh, um, yeah. For those of you that are listening to this and can't look up this photo, I wanted to read a description of the seats for you. This is from Fast Company. So they said, people on the bottom can fully extend their legs at the expense of space between their face and the seat in front of them. So I know this is where like the ass in your face comes in. And then they continue on to say, at the expense of space between their face and the seat in front of them. People on top who fit because overhead storage has been removed with suitcases going under the seats instead sit in typical seats. The catch is that they don't have enough headroom to stand. Yeah, it's kind of wild. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, we're living in an age where airlines are really doing the most to try and get the most bodies they can on planes so they can sell more tickets. And so that's a really important note to keep in mind because they're clearly paying attention uh, given the fact that if they were to adopt this model, they'd be able to fit about 5 to 10% more passengers on planes than they normally would. I'm honestly shocked that's all it is. I would have thought more. Me too. Because Me it too. does seem like you're really on top of the person below you. But okay. Yeah. yeah. I also just wonder, how big are these seats going to be? Because it's already a problem, especially in the West where people are just generally larger now than they were 50 years ago when commercial jetliner seats were being designed. People already are uncomfortable. There's no way these seats are any bigger. Yeah. Or even the same size. I'm glad you brought that up because I think um, on average, an average economy seat is about 18 inches in width, which is not a lot. And that's probably being generous because some are smaller than that. The article that I read did not specifically state how wide the seats would be or how much space in general there would be for passengers. But the inventor of these seats did say that they wouldn't necessarily be friendly for all body types, specifically if you were sitting on one of the lower rows. So you might be able to get away with like the top row. But if you were trying to buy a seat 
with like someone's ass in your face and you were larger or heavier, you wouldn't be able to necessarily fit in that row, which is insane because I can already see airlines also marking up the seats that are higher. Right. Yeah, I was just about to ask that. Are they going to call the lower seats the ass in your face seats? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> oh, darn. <laughs> What's a nicer way to say that that sounds a little more artsy? Economy basic. Lower deck. Economy ba- <laughs> they already have economy basic. They're going to have to come up with something no. new. Economy but shit. Econ- no, no, no. <laughs> economy basic is going to be the new economy pro. Oh, and yeah, they're economy, just going to downgrade everything. Economy plus, economy minus. Economy yeah. up, economy down. <laughs> economy ass in your face. I think they should go with that. I'm also, <laughs> I want to see what you see when you're on that lower level. Like, how much room do you have in front of your face? Like, can you fit a laptop down there? Can you even fit a, fit a book down there? It doesn't really look like there's much room at all to hold no. anything. I pasted a picture from that article into the Discord where you can see real people sitting in a prototype. Mm-hmm. So that might give you an idea. It does not look like very much, um, but maybe there's like a nook yeah. underneath the row of seats that are kind of above them. Like a nook underneath their butt. Their ass, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't get away from their butt. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's <laughs> honestly, it's so funny because that is marginally better if you're heavier but at the same time you can't fit in there if you're heavier anyway because i know heavier is that people have issues with you know that little tray table coming down to begin with so it's too bad that they don't just have some extra space in economy where that wouldn't be an issue you know Mm -hmm. it's just not inclusive no no i don't like we'll see obviously like you said pan this was presented at a very real conference for the airline industry but i really wonder if this is going to take off pun intended because i just consumers aren't going to go for this i don't think unless the fares are dirt dirt cheap cheaper than anything we've been seeing and maybe for short haul flights like i could maybe do this for oh god even as i say this i'm like "Mm, i could do this for maybe a half hour long flight like la to vegas okay i was gonna say what's a half hour flight like Uh, i know it's not many i was gonna say i don't know her yeah and you better hope you're not delayed on the tarmac right (laughs) yeah Yeah, but yeah and i mean i think i definitely would feel very uncomfortable sitting there especially during turbulence not because my face is going to hit the person the person's ass who's above me but i want to you know, when there's like turbulence, you kind of want to see ahead on the plane, right? And if there's nothing in front of you, I think that would be really disturbing. Yeah, I for me, I get motion sickness. So I have to be able to look out of a window on a plane. If I end up in a row with somebody who insists on closing their window, (laughs) or, um, or if I'm just not near one, then when the plane is like pitching and turning, I get so nauseous. Oh. So I can imagine for anybody who's in that position, being in that bottom row would really suck. Yeah. Andrew, you mentioned, you know, that the only way you can see these seats working is if they were dirt cheap to entice people to actually book. So with that in mind, I wanted to know if any of us here have taken advantage of these budget airlines because right now as it stands these are kind of like the only quote-unquote cheaper airfares that we have no are you talking about like spirit like spirit frontier 
No. Wow. I have not. Um, <laughs> mainly because wow. I feel like Spirit, I think back in the day when they sort of first were gaining notoriety, they had some really good deals. But as they became more commonplace, I feel like they added fees onto every little thing. So you pay for your ticket, but then you also pay for any bags that you're carrying onto the plane. You pay for the seat you're sitting in. You pay if you're checking bags as well. If you want to drink on board, you're paying for that. So basically, you're paying a fee for everything. And when you add it all up, it's not that different from a standard airfare. So that's why I've never really been interested in looking at them. Um, Pre-pandemic, I did book flights uh, for us to go to Seattle on Frontier, but that trip got canceled. (laughs) So, okay, yeah, we would have done. Spirit and Frontier are trying to merge right now. I heard. So I haven't touched Spirit either. I will do Southwest. Although I don't think their prices are very cheap compared to like They're not. United or they any of the used other. To be. Yeah. Yeah, they used to have that one to get away deal and it was actually yeah. pretty good. Yeah. And they've always had like good offers like your first checked bag is free, no cancellation fees. Of course, the thing with Southwest was you didn't pick a seat. You had to check in as quickly as possible to um, get far up the boarding yeah. list. So yeah, I haven't touched Spirit, but my mom doesn't mind flying Spirit. But so I don't I don't know how this works out. But so Spirit has first class seats, but they're not first class. They call them the big front seat. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) My mom always buys the big front seat on Spirit. (laughs) So like she gets first class on Spirit. And I was looking. It's up to two hundred fifty dollars more to upgrade to the big front seat, which I guess it's definitely cheaper than first class on another airline. But my mom just likes having the bigger scene and feeling like, you know, all cool sitting right right up front. The only time I've ever, I've never flown first class, um, but the only time I ever did something close was, do y'all remember AirTran? Yes. No. They, I think Southwest bought them, um, used to fly them all the time because they had really affordable seats and they were okay for a commercial jetliner. And they didn't have first class, but they had uh, business class, which was basically a slightly larger seat at the front of the plane, and you got an extra snack. <laughs> oh, woo-hoo! so that's that's the closest thing to first class I've ever done, and I only did it because I broke my ankle, <laughs> and Andrew was actually one of the people who had to get me to the airport because I couldn't transport myself. Oh no, <laughs> I flew first class once from Florida to maybe Chicago or LA. And it was only because they upgraded me for free. I was just flying by myself and I guess they had an extra seat. They were like, look at that sad sack over there. Let's push him up to first class. He seems like a good guy. So that was very exciting. By the way, I'm seeing no spirit seats recline. Every single one of them is (laughs) pre-reclined. Honestly, I wouldn't be that mad about seats not reclining in economy in general that could be a good because thing. Yeah. i i mean obviously most people don't care i always feel bad if i'm reclining because i know there's not a lot of space i do too but sometimes i have to a little bit if like the person in front of me is reclining but i still feel bad if the person behind me has reclined i don't mind at all yeah, reclining because bit, they're yeah. reclining yeah exactly that makes sense yeah so i have my recommendation that i want to drop now 
check those extra legroom seats, those like premium economy seats, a day or two before your actual flights. And the reason I say this is because I've noticed that they will drop the prices of these upgraded seats as the flight gets closer. Perfect example, I'm flying, I'm taking a red eye, red eye tomorrow night. I'm taking one of these 737 MAX planes by choice. I chose to do this because over Christmas, I accidentally booked one of these planes. The plane was really nice. You can hook your AirPods up to the screens now. It's a nice big touch screen. The plane was sexy. I was like, oh, this rocks. So anyway, for this upcoming flight, I got 737 MAX going there and back. Nice. And you're not worried about them stalling out the plane? This plane... (laughs) has been tested more than any other plane in history. Yeah, that's fair. It's fine. (laughs) If I go down, I'll go down with my AirPods connected to the screen, and I'll think that's pretty cool. (laughs) I'll I'll die nerding out over the latest technology. It's good to know those planes are sexy, because I feel like the last sexy flight experience was the Virgin planes. Do you remember those? Yeah, I wouldn't go... Yeah. Pretty good. It had the other mood lighting. It was nice. Yeah, there's mood lighting. It just feels new. It's all it's all new. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, perfect example of the reduced upgrades. These Economy Plus seats that were $150 a few days ago are now $75. They cut the price in half. And I'm doing a red eye, like I said. So I'm thinking of doing an upgrade for the flight there so I can sleep a little more comfortably. But that can save you some money if you want to get that extra leg room, but don't want to pay those prices you initially see months out. I've done that before, too. I usually try and wait day of if I can, like if I see there's enough seats. So if I can push it as close as possible, like I've gotten the extra leg room upgrade for like $25. Ooh, nice. You know, that is good. Yeah. But you got you got to play the game. So you're right. Like if you only see like one seat, you might as well book you know, a day or two before. Do you have any tips, Laura? If you're booking Southwest, and this this is similar to what Andrew was just talking about, but you have the opportunity, you can book like boarding rows A1, or you can bo- book A1 through 15 for your boarding group, pay like 15 early bucks. Early bird, I think they call it. Yeah, yeah, that early bird special, you pay 15 bucks and then you're in the first 15 or so people who get to board, which I would recommend. Yeah, it's like auto check-in, right? So you don't have yeah. to worry about actually checking in. Right. Along those same lines, um, I would also, if you have a longer layover and you haven't checked in early, but it might behoove you to have done so if, you know, you get a better uh, seat spot or seat line spot, I would look into airport lounges. Sometimes they're really cheap for like a day pass. And a lot of times they'll just like walk you over and you'll be able to walk onto the plane like no big deal deal pam's so fancy the upgraded seats the (laughs) club access (laughs) good for you pam and escort to the club access and then and and then also i've been in a situation where i've like been in a club lounge because i thought i had to get like you know like say the person that was going to drop me off at the airport had to drop me off early and then the flight got delayed if you're in the club lounge and you've paid like 30 dollars to go in there they'll also like they'll look out for other flights that could get you to your destination faster. So that's really nice. Oh, wow. I didn't know about that. Plus, there's free food and drinks in there, too. So if you're already going to be stuck at the airport eating, you might as well just like see if it's cost effective to do that. Yeah. I mean, the quietness that you'll find in lounges can be worth it alone. There's no uh, announcements coming Mm -hmm. over the speakers like, you know, so and so you lost your kid. There's none of that. 
yeah, there is that free food and drink that free, free, like well drinks and wine yes. and basic wines and basic beers. So mm-hmm. it can actually kind of pay for itself. Yeah, I I have a credit card that gives me some lounge access. So I do take advantage of that from time to time. I need to well, get look on who's that. fancy now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, y'all like. I have never done any of these things. When I go to the airport, it's just you like huff your way to the gate. You sit down, you put your headphones in, you wait for boarding and you get on the plane and then you like crouch into the tiniest position you can. So you're not touching anybody or anything and you just get through the fight. I still do that too. Meditate for four hours. I've never gone so far as like getting having a personal assistant in the lounge like Pam has and a private escort. I just, no, I didn't do anything. I just checked in and then they were like, oh, it, I know that your flight got delayed, but we found a spot on another flight. Would you like to get there early? And I was like, oh, yeah, that, that sounds nice. great. And so what then they just like walked this? me over. Um, You know what? What was it? Was it United? I think it might have been oh, United okay. or Continental. One of those. I'm going to have words with United tomorrow. Where's <laughs> where's my assistant? Right? So while we're on the subject of travel, just wanted to mention quickly that Biden on Wednesday will reportedly call for a gas tax holiday in the United States. So basically, this is going to remove the federal gas tax from gas. This federal gas tax is 18.3 cents per gallon. So let's say you got an 11-gallon tank, that's 201 cents divided by 100, right? That It'll save you two bucks. There's some live math for everybody. Um, two bucks so it's, total. Two bucks total. Oh my right. God, if you I'm have an 11-gallon I have tank. an 11-gallon tank, so obviously my ears perked up. <laughs> <laughs> that's two more dollars to go to your next lounge <sighs> Y'all don't even want to know how much money I paid for gas last weekend. It was Oh yeah, tell us painful. California. It was so it hurt so bad. Keep in mind this is at Costco, okay? And ever since gas prices started going up, I've been trying to fill up my tank when the tank's half empty so that I don't feel it as much, right? So I mosey on over to Costco, which is not very far from me, and that's going to be way cheaper than a Chevron or a Shell. Gas is $6.10. It took me $45 to fill my tank, and it was like barely half empty. Ooh, oh, my God. Ugh, I know. Awful. Yeah, it sucks. That's brutal for U.S. standards. I know. I know. In many other parts of the world, people are used to paying a lot for gas, but they really are. Yeah. Americans it's are cringing. Go down. It's double like what it normally is, honestly. Yeah. It's bad. Well, gosh. This is a terrible time to be like, hey, pledge to our Patreon. (laughs) But maybe you do have a little extra money. We depend on our Patreon to run this show so we can buy gas or pay for electricity or just simply live and then spend more time working on this show. So we really appreciate your support at patreon.com slash millennial. And we have no sponsors this week. Um, So the Patreon really comes in handy in weeks like this. We will actually be off next week. I know we just took a week off about a month ago, but after this, we'll probably not have any weeks off for a few months. Um, But anyway, in that off week, we will be releasing two new pieces of bonus content on our Patreon. First of all, we will have a new variety show out. Laura, do you want to tease this? We just recorded this. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was so much fun. So we're kicking off a three parts uh, variety show experience where over the next three months, each of us is going to take a crack at giving an impassioned presentation about some of our most random and yet intense thoughts and beliefs. <laughs> I did mine about how I believe that the T-Rex from the original Jurassic Park is the unsung hero of that movie. And I think it went pretty well. I was happy with how it was it went. great. Yeah, we had a great time. Uh, a lot of fun. And there's a visual element to it, too, because I made a whole slide deck. So check that out for lots of gifts and really factual evidence-based <laughs> arguments. <laughs> It blew me and Pam away. We were very impressed by your work. Yes. We really were. We the were like, damn, high. we got to live up. Yeah, we got to live up to that now. Shit. Um, and then, Pam, you actually just completed something that'll be on our Patreon next week. I did. Yeah. So we have a new benefit called Geek Out, which I believe is for Bay patrons, right? Yes. Okay. So if you're a Bay, you'll have access to this. And if you want access to this, this would be a great time for you to upgrade and check out what other Bay benefits are available to you. Uh, but Geek Out is just a, a way for us to hop on Patreon and talk about something that we're obsessing over. So I was going to write up a post about some music stuff that I wanted to talk about. And then I decided instead of doing that, it might be more fun to just call my brother up and record that conversation because we often talk about music together. And so we had a nice little chat for about 45 minutes. That's all edited and it'll be up next week. So you can oh, check that making out. Making his millennial debut. Yes. Pam's brother. My brother. What's his name? Sergio. Sergio. I love that. Does that mean all three of our brothers have made a millennial debut at this point? <laughs> I have think it? So. Have, has your brother? Yeah. Josh did. He did a bit for us a few years oh, ago. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Has Ryan been on, Andrew? Yeah, years ago. Yeah. I think you were interviewing him about my relationships or something like that's that. right i think you were off and we got to call him and ask him questions about you <laughs> no, no i was on because we have a picture of like him standing next to my mic as i'm there or i took that picture or something like that so anyway i'm excited to hear hear uh sergio come on the show too i don't even th i'm not sure i've even heard sergio before probably not he's yeah. you know a man of mystery but uh I feel man like of I, mystery <laughs> he's really Just not like you are according to our listeners according to my <laughs> listeners a man of mystery as far as like this show goes but you know i feel like i talk right. about him enough that it it'll probably just feel like an extension of that so of course yeah absolutely so that and so much more is available at patreon.com slash millennial thanks to everybody who supports us we really could not do this without you all right Hopping on to our next story, um, this was all inspired by something that I got done on Friday. Um, I got some new ink. I got a new tattoo, actually a couple new tattoos. Oh, boy. Can anyone guess where? <laughs> on your ass. <laughs> yep. Yep, exactly. One on each cheek. For the people who sit below her on these new planes. Right. That's exactly why at. I got it, actually. I'll say lower back. Lower back, Ooh. two tramp stamps. No, I got my eyebrows tattooed, y'all. Um, I got microblading done on Friday. And um, I love the results. They're still healing. So they're a little crusty right now, but they look pretty good. I wanted to ask y'all first, what are your thoughts on permanent cosmetics? So my eyebrows, 
but people can also get eyeliner. They can get lip liner done. Um, I'm going to ask a dumb question yeah. about what you did with your eyebrows. Yeah. So does this just like permanently make your eyebrows fuller? Yeah. What does this do? What is okay? Yeah. So they basically take um, for the microblading. They're not taking a traditional tattoo gun and just like tattooing lines on your face. Um, they're taking the microblade and cutting like little hair shaped strokes into where your eyebrows are to make it appear as though you have fuller brows. Interesting. So they're more defined. They have a more defined shape. Okay. And you don't have to keep them up as often, which I'm really looking forward to. But I am curious with that knowledge, you know, knowing that it is, even though it's referred to as a permanent cosmetic, it's not 100% permanent. They do fade over time. Well, first of all, I think your eyebrows look great because I've seen them. And the person that you picked did a fantastic job. I'm sure you did a lot of research. I would do a lot of research because I'd want to make sure whoever was permanently tattooing my face with, you know, had a good track record. Absolutely. If I were to get, I'm not opposed to permanent cosmetics, but I think that I would probably not do anything other than perhaps my eyebrows if I were choosing to do so. I have seen other people do, like I know other people that have done permanent or semi-permanent eyeliner, lipstick, lip liner. And the possibility of that fading out or feathering it's just very high. Yeah. The skin on your face is so thin as it is. Most people don't wear enough sunscreen and don't reapply sunscreen. And so just like the possibility for you to get good work done, but then not take care of it in a way that's going to make it look awful is just too high. So I am always concerned for most people when they float the idea. But I have no concerns for you and your eyebrows because I know that you would take you'll take good care of them and and that you're also a religious sunscreen applier. So it's pretty yeah, safe. Oh, for sure. And I've been religious about the aftercare, which, of course, like any tattoo, there is an aftercare routine that you need to be um, very, very consistent with because it's an open wound on your body. You can't just... Uh, treat it like there's makeup on it and like you don't have to worry about it. Um, you, you do have to be really careful. No, I, I definitely worry, especially when people don't do their research. I took a few months um, to just look at different artists and find somebody whose work I really, really liked before I booked. But we can shift now to talking about some generational changes because I know generations, particularly the boomers and the silent generation have some very black and white ideas about tattoos. And people have become more open, more progressive about them over time. So I thought we could talk about if any of our parents have tattoos, are they kind of breaking the mold for their generation? My dad hates tattoos. He was so mad at my brother when my brother got a Star Wars related tattoo. They actually filmed my dad's reaction because they knew how he would react. <laughs> he was like, that's fake, right? Tell me that's fake. Tell me that's temporary. Oh my gosh. I didn't know Ryan had a tattoo. <laughs> so Ryan worked at a at Star Tours, the original Star Wars ride at um, Hollywood Studios. And he had a great time working at 
that ride. And he met a lot of friends and he's a very big Star Wars fan. So it was kind of like a dream job for him at Disney World. So he got some robot thing on his arm. Honestly, though, like it's hard to make out what it actually is. It may have been a little too small. He maybe should have done bigger so there is more detail. But you know what? I don't criticize or make fun of him for it. Like it, That felt important to him. Okay, fine. Yeah, my, my parents don't have tattoos either. My mom is not a big fan of them. My brother and I both have tattoos, so she kind of lost on that front. But her stance was always that if we were going to get tattoos, that she really hoped that we would be smart enough to get them in areas that would be easy to cover. She works in a much more traditional setting where tattoos are still kind of not as accepted. And so because they have rules there that state you have to cover your tattoos when you come into work, she's always very stressed out about us, you know, getting tattoos where it wouldn't be perhaps as easy to cover. And I think we both kind of like followed that rule. So she she's made peace with it honestly even though she it's not like her cup of tea my mom has tattoos my dad doesn't have any i remember he was not happy when i came home with my first one at 18 um but he has definitely warmed up more to the idea over the years he was actually not too many moons ago talking about maybe getting one and we were all trying to encourage him to do it and he hasn't <laughs> done it yet so we'll have to keep up the campaign um But yeah, and I have three and I think very much like Pam was describing about her mom, um, even though my parents, you know, they were never fully anti-tattoo, they did recommend making sure that I was comfortable with the placement (laughs) at the very least of tattoos and thinking about, you know, your body over time, because there may be tattoos that you get when you're young and cute that maybe don't, they hit different when you're 50, you know, so being conscious of that. And not all of my tattoos are in places where I can cover if I want to. But if I don't want to, then it's fine. Yeah. And see, this is my main problem with tattoos and why I haven't gotten one myself. And I would really have to convince myself to to get one. Because I just can't get past the fact that these are permanent and this is a decision that you're making for the rest of your life. Like, if you get something at 25, you're living with that until you're 75, unless you go through that painful process of getting a tattoo removed. And I just, there's nothing that I want on my skin that badly to go through all of this, getting it, having to deal with it later, potentially having to get it removed. I... I hope there's nothing that I like right now that I like in 50 years. (laughs) Not even Bruce? Not even Bruce. I want to be so evolved (laughs) in 50 years from now. I really can't do it. Tattoo removal has gotten a lot um, easier. Well, I don't want to say easier, but it's become a lot less time consuming And while it's expensive, it's no more expensive than the cost of getting a tattoo in the first place. But then you're paying to get it and get it removed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, think about, you know, changes that we make all the time. Like you move somewhere and you decide. (laughs) I didn't I didn't even start that being like this is a direct hit, but it it totally is. Uh Good thing we're off next week. It looks like we're about to feud. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, but I mean, just like anything, like you, you decide yeah, yeah, yeah. you want to do something in life, you try it out, it doesn't work. And there's maybe some cost involved with making a change. I think we've all yeah. been there. That's fair. I just feel like a tattoo is one that I can avoid. Mm-hmm. And it's not something I have to do. Relationships, moving, apartments, blah, 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 blah. You have, these are things you naturally have to go through. Like, no, tattoos aren't a natural step in life. You know right. what I mean? No, I, I get that. And I don't think anybody should do anything that mm-hmm. they're not comfortable with. Yeah. And just to be clear, I don't judge anybody who has tattoos. I'm just trying to explain why, why you I don't, don't want to get a tattoo myself. Yeah, I mean, I'll totally be honest. Fair. I judge some people's tattoos because there's some bad tattoos out there. And I think that's acceptable to judge somebody for a shitty tattoo. (laughs) This is not by any means a new trend, but I have seen some people in recent years, they start with one and then they've got like 15, 20. And they're these little ones, like in random spots. A YouTuber I know of has done this. I'm like, really? All this random shit all over you for the next 20 or not 20, 50, 60 years? No. And honestly, Andrew, you wouldn't be the only person to judge. I feel like a tattooed artist would probably judge that because there's no like cohesiveness to the placement. Oh. And so also it gets harder if later on, say, that person decides they want a full sleeve because then the tattoo artist has to work around the existing placement of all this random shit that doesn't make any sense with other stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Look, if it, if it all means a lot to you and you're proud of it and you're happy with it, great. I have a hard time seeing people be okay with that for for decades, but I want to get um a back piece eventually. It's going to be that's a huge piece and it's going to be very expensive and very lengthy. I really need to save up for it <laughs> because it'll have a lengthy healing time too. But um, I have a tattoo on my back that's just a flower, and I would like to do a larger back piece that incorporates the flower that's already there. Mm -hmm. That way I don't find myself tattooing a bunch of random stuff on my back that's not connected in any way. So that, I think, perfectly goes to Pam's point about needing to have a cohesive narrative. You don't need to, but like... It is something that's notably missing from some of these like hodgepodge tattoos. Sometimes I judge like, and this is just personal preference, but like the last tattoo I got was a sunflower. I got it when my for my grandma when she died. I kind of just knew I was going to do that. So finally went and did it in December. And I really like my sunflower tattoo. But I was looking at other sunflower tattoos. And as I was researching, I was just thinking like, why would you pick like that sunflower? That looks not great you know <laughs> but whoever got that tattoo feels as strongly about theirs i as, really as you hope yours. that they're happy with the design some of these look like <laughs> mm, like some of them look like they have like buttholes in the middle or like there's oh. growths around them it's really not great i've looked at so many sunflower tattoos and i kind of like i knew what kind of sunflower i wanted i knew like what i wanted it to i, I knew what i didn't want it to look like and that was super helpful so if anything looking at bad tattoos might help you decide what you would want your perfect tattoo to look like if you're interested in getting something. Yeah. The other ones that make me cringe are misspellings. Oh, no. Yeah. 
And I never understand how that happens. Yeah. Because if if I were tattooing somebody, I would definitely be spell checking everything, even if I was 100% certain that I had spelled it correctly. Yeah. Because that's going on someone's body forever. I had, back when I was teaching English, I had a student come up to me. I think I may have told you guys this before, but he held his arms up and he was like, look at my tattoos. And on the inside of one arm, he had tattooed, don't worry. And on the inside of the other arm, it said, buy happy, not be happy. Be Was it on purpose? (sighs) No, I don't think so. Oh, Lord. (laughs) And he was so proud of it. And I just didn't have the heart to say anything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because I was like, you'll figure it out. I don't want to be the one. Blackout tattoos, too, which is a huge trend right now, like having a huge part of like your arm or your leg just completely colored in black. I don't know what it is about that, but it just makes me extremely uncomfortable. And I just don't know why anyone would choose to do that. If we had to get a word, not a person or pet's name, tattooed on our face, on our face, let's say the forehead, what would it be? Hey, that'd be mine. H-E-Y. Hey. Oh, really? Wouldn't be Bruce? No. No, it can't be a <laughs> can't person. Be a oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Bruce isn't a person. He's, you know, a higher being. <laughs> that's that's a good point, but I'll, <laughs> I'll go and count him as a person. I think I think I would do hey or like podcast. <laughs> if you had to, if you had to yeah. have a word on your forehead. I would probably do this is going to sound so cheesy, but I would probably do like create or inspire because I just really like those words. And I just feel That's like I, w- nice. I would have like very minimal regret if I had to see that every day in the mirror. Wow. Very minimal regret. Yeah, if I was like forced to get a face tattoo. Not that forced. I want one, but if I was forced for the sake of your game, I would have minim- <laughs> much, much less regret than I would if it was something else. Okay. I would get nah. <laughs> That's a good one. Just N-A-H. <laughs> Don't talk to me. Leave me alone. <laughs> Listeners, let us know what you would no. pick. Maybe Chloe do a <laughs> social media post. Encourage people to write their answer in the comments. So let's move on to some confessionals. So we have this contact form on our website. It's anonymous. You don't have to include your name. And maybe you need to get something off your chest. Maybe you have um, something serious you want to discuss, but you want it to be anonymous. That's what the confessional is for. And it's been a few weeks, a few months since we've done a confessional segment on the show. So here we go. This first one says, this is a bit of a, am I the asshole? But I know I'm the asshole. Am I the asshole for choosing pirating over streaming prices slash streaming options with ads? As streaming prices go up, I'm moving towards pirating things again, TV and movies. I barely remember a world with cable, so I'm not moving back to that. And I hate ads and commercials so much, I'm just not willing to pay those cheaper options. I know it's illegal, and you still pay for a VPN, and I know it isn't good or fair to the people creating these works, but the prices are just starting to get out of my price range, and there is way too much variety of streaming services. I feel like these companies just don't care about people on a lower income. While I don't like binging that much either, if all I can afford is one month of Disney+, Plus, I have to wait till all the episodes of Moon Knight are out before I can watch. 
I usually spread it out over a couple of days since I'll have the month, but then I miss the weekly hype and theories and water cooler chats online. Or I can just avoid these gymnastics and pirate to stay in the loop. These are some really good points that the person raises. The prices are going up. You have to commit to these streaming apps for two, three months because some of them release episodes weekly. They know it's illegal. They know it's wrong, but they're looking to save a buck. Is this person an asshole? No, I don't think so. I I don't think you're an asshole. I don't think it's the right thing to do, per se. But I also understand, particularly with inflation being what it is right now, not just in the U.S., but around the world. I understand why people are looking for escapism and not wanting to pay an arm and a leg for it. I really appreciate that they recognize that it's not fair to, you know, all of the production crew. I mean, the cast makes a lot of money, fortunately, not to say that it's always fair payment, but I'm thinking mostly of the crew uh, when I think of who loses out when people do this. And the other thing is with more and more pirating, these studios might be less inclined to green lights, maybe future seasons of the show you watch or smaller projects. That they, that they worry won't get enough eyeballs because they need to get more people watching and they're not tracking, as far as I know, how many people are watching the illegal streams. Not to mention, they're not making any money off of the illegal streams. Pam, where do you fall on this? Yeah, I would say that's the probably the worst part for sure is because I, I believe, I mean, the crew's already probably gotten paid out if it's a streaming service that's already completed a season that's rolling out weekly. But they might be out of a job if not enough people put eyes on it. So it is really tricky. At the same time, I know that a lot of people pirate for less reasons. Like, But I, I think that like missing out on being able to discuss something as it airs is also a big reason why. So I would say that this person isn't necessarily alone. And mm, I, I wouldn't say they're the asshole, but I do think it's a nuanced situation. And I think that if you like... If you can pay to watch something that you really like, then you should, especially within the first like two weeks for something like a Netflix that has crazy uh, reasonings for why they choose to uh, greenlight second seasons or why they choose to dump shows after Mm -hmm. first seasons. Like if you could do that, that would be great. Maybe you could offset that way. Yeah. Like if you watch something right away and you really like it, maybe you could just like pay for a month every once in a while, like right after that thing comes out and you could just like stream that way to give the show more of a fighting chance or and we've spoken about this before split up who's paying for what subscriptions yeah Yeah. so let's say a family member is paying for netflix you're paying for hulu that's a good way to make everything more affordable and even everything out make things fair for the whole family in a roundabout way more and more torrenting is going to affect the people who work in hollywood because Hollywood's just going to greenlight less projects if they're making less money off the streamers, off movies that hit theaters, DVD sales, etc. But at the same time, it's a tough world out there. And I really do like saving our listeners money, especially when they become patrons. <laughs> so thank you. So a good tip is, like this listener said, if you are going to do this, you should do it through a VPN a virtual private network. And these, they have either a monthly or annual cost. Some of them have lifetime memberships as well. And this will let you download this stuff anonymously and your internet service provider won't be able to figure out that it's you. 
If you don't you use a VPN and you do a lot of torrenting of Hollywood content, one day you will get a message from your ISP saying, hey, stop that. Press this big agree button that says you promise you're not going to do it anymore. And then, and then if you do it again, your ISP might shut you off. So you have to be careful with how you do this if you are going to do it. But yeah, yeah. I think... I think we can all agree that just trying to pay for a month or splitting up these subscriptions, doing something like that to get money to these people somehow. Another pro of a VPN, that it gives you privacy in everything you do. So if you don't want your internet service provider looking at anything you're doing online, it's another consideration. Should we do this next confessional? Yeah. Okay, this one reads, I'd really like to get your opinion on a matter I'm dealing with. I'm 28 and recently became roommates with my mother for convenience and to save money for complex reasons I don't need to get into. The home is in her name, but is supposed to be transferred to be in my name eventually. We've always said it was my long-term home and her staying here is temporary for maybe just a couple of years. The location is convenient for her right now. I pay for all the common area furniture, decor, internet, security, systems, repairs, upkeep, etc. because we agreed it is my home and that is only technically hers on paper. We've been having some issues cohabitating lately, but the main problem right now is that she told me her friend left his one-year-old puppy and six-month-old kitten locked in his house for six days completely alone while he went on vacation last week. No one checked on them, and he apparently left a bag of open dog food on the floor. I work with animals professionally, and I'm a huge advocate for animal well welfare. So to me, it's a no brainer. This is straight up animal neglect and I feel I have a duty to report it. I told my mom I was going to report him to animal control when she told me what he did, my appalled immediate response. And she said she would kick me out of the house if I did so. Since the property is legally hers, she could if she really wanted to. I've already spoken to animal control to ask them some questions and they said they would definitely follow up on a case like this, but didn't give me an official report yet. Even if I did anonymous an anonymous report or had a friend do it for me, my mom and her friend would know it was me. How do I sit back and do nothing when I'm being told stories of animal neglect? It's not safe for me to report the neglect. I have to ensure my own well-being, right? My mom is threatening to take away my home that I've put so much work into, and I've adopted pets that need my home environment. I can't move. I can't afford anywhere else. And it would be extremely difficult to find somewhere I could take my pets with me in my city. It seems as though I'm going to have to choose between my home slash pets and doing the right thing for those neglected animals. This is crazy. This is horrific. Oh, my God. And it's really tough to come up with a solution here for this person. Yeah. Can you somehow inform, I don't know, the local government of the situation to kind of help protect you if your mom threatens to mm, kick yeah. you out? I hate to suggest this because it feels like a temporary fix and maybe not necessarily something that's going to solve the issue at hand overall. But like, is there any way for your peace of mind that you could maybe like break into this person's house or ask if they have a spare key somewhere so that you can like get the animals out at least again i hate to recommend that because i just kind of feel like it doesn't really solve the issue at hand i would also be curious to know if if your mom often holds that being your house over your head in order to get what she wants because that's like a whole different can of worms or if this is like the first time it's happened i hate to say it but if 
mom jumped immediately to, I'll kick you out of my house for something like this, I have to think that this is not the only time that yeah. this has been yeah. used. And confessional writer, please correct us if we're wrong, but can you re- I just have a feeling. Can you anonymously report this person to animal control? I guess she I mentioned mean, that in the in the confessional and said that if if they do this, then the mom would and the friend would know it was her because nobody else knows. But I guess but I guess they could also say that that somebody heard barking. Exactly. On the street, right. Exactly. A neighbor heard barking. You can't prove that somebody didn't hear that. Yeah. I mean, unless there's a camera in there and this person was watching. the, But even then, like the cameras don't capture every single second. I think you should try anonymously reporting. Call yourself a neighbor who heard barking for days. And you, the neighbor, noticed that this person left for six days and didn't come back. You were watching this house and you didn't see it. I don't I mean, I this isn't a perfect plan, but. It might be one of your only options, especially if you want to salvage a relationship with your mom. And you probably will have to uh, lie to your mom. But what's the alternative? I don't know. Yeah, it it is really tricky because you're totally right that you need to make sure that you're safe, that you have a roof over your head and that the pets you have have somewhere safe to live, too. But I'm kind of afraid that no matter if the call is made anonymously or not, the confessional writer is going to get blamed regardless. It just seems like their mom and this neighbor are kind of conditioned to think that if it gets reported, it's going to be on the confessional writer. So I would say just be prepared for that possibility. They could also be saying that just to mess with the confessional writer. Yeah. You know, like, because their back's against the wall, sort of. So they have to really threaten the right. writer of this. Right. Maybe, I mean, I know that it's easier said than done, but maybe trying to have a heart to heart with your mom about this. It yeah. sounds like maybe this wasn't a super lengthy conversation and it could be a conversation about the larger theme of feeling as though you're being gaslit by somebody who had made a different kind of commitment to your living situation. Now holding it over your head to save face with their neighbor friend, who, by the way, is an animal abuser. Yeah. Maybe if she hears it like that, it'll change her mind. And, you know, if I'm being an optimist, I'm saying maybe you report this person to animal control, your mom's mad, but eventually does come to her senses about this situation. Yeah. I don't know the full relationship with your mom. It's still taking a risk, but maybe she will come to her senses. Maybe somebody else will talk to her. Maybe what you say will help her. So tough situation, but I think we've offered some decent guidance, honestly. Please uh, update us. Let us know how it goes. Yeah. What you decide to do. Good luck. All right. We have one more confessional today. Um, The confessional writer says, I'm having an existential crisis and need to tell my big podcast brother and sisters. Oh, I've been dating my boyfriend for seven years in a very loving, committed relationship. 
We started dating at the end of college and were together for about two years before we began dating long distance. Him in LA, me in the Bay Area of California. We maintained that long distance relationship for another two years before he moved up to the Bay with me, where we then lived together through the pandemic. The pandemic was the worst, but living together was the best. We had lived together for a year, but as I was struggling with my job, I desperately needed change, did not enjoy my life in the Bay, and wanted to work at our alma mater back in LA. He was very supportive and knew this and supported and encouraged me as I found the most fulfilling job at my dream location. Meanwhile, he was being successful in the Bay and establishing his own career. We've been long distance again for over a year and my patience and his are waning. At this point, we've been together for seven years and I very seriously want to get married. I know marriage is not the only way to show your love, devotion, and commitment to someone, but it is something that I feel is the natural next step for us and I would love to commit to one another in this way. Our qualm is this. We both love our jobs on opposite ends of California, and our positions are not conducive to remote work at all. He would like for me to move back to the Bay, and I am willing to do so, but I would like to be engaged before uprooting the best job I've ever had to move back to a place I don't love as much. I would move for him, though, because I want to make our relationship work. Unfortunately, another big qualm is that he does not view marriage the same way that I do. He says he would marry me because I want slash need to. It saddens me that we aren't on the same page about this as we've been together for so long and work so beautifully together. But right now he does not see marriage as adding anything to our relationship. We've talked about starting therapy to work through things, and I know a lot of our differing views come from our different backgrounds. His parents never married and are not together. Mine have been together for 30 years. All this to say, am I an asshole? Why is being patient so hard? We've talked about this enough over the last two years at this point. I'm feeling bummed and have a hard time reconciling it all in my head. I know it's hard to give advice with so little information, but I'm curious to receive any encouragement or direction from my podcasting besties. Well, bestie. Yeah, it's a tough situation. Yeah. Long distance relationship. Seems like you have a really good relationship, but both of you have great jobs. And in uh, cities that are what, about seven hours apart? Drive time, Pam? Yeah, Especially about. seven, eight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sp- and gas prices. Depends on look. how fast you drive. <laughs> how, uh, how fast can you get up the five or the 101 it especially sucks that you're willing to move to him if it means you get married but he doesn't seem to really want that maybe it's because his parents were never married and are not currently together so he just kind of maybe subconsciously feels like he's gonna take a similar path to his parents I'd also have a hard time thinking about getting married if you're both living in different cities and there's still no firm plans to physically live together because there's still some big steps there before you can actually seriously think about getting married. I really wouldn't want to think about getting married if I was still living seven, eight hours apart from the person I love and, and, and still had no plans to get together and am planning to go through potentially couples therapy. The gamble you can make is that you move up there and hope that he will genuinely be interested in getting married. 
but it does seem like a big risk. What do you two think about this? I would hope that he was honest about his stance on marriage from the get-go, and it wasn't just like a flip that switched. And unfortunately, I want to also preface this by saying I don't think you're the asshole, but unfortunately, oftentimes when people have their mindset about big life decisions like marriage, they're not often inclined to change their minds. And that's not to say that your boyfriend never will, or that you should break it off if he doesn't. But I do think that perhaps if this is the person that you see yourself spending your entire life with, then going to therapy either way together would help because it might help you find peace in perhaps never getting married, but still existing in your lives together or i guess the alternative which would be the the best possible scenario for you right now he would realize that marriage is is something that makes sense for you in the long run part of me wonders and this is how i would feel so i'm not saying this is how you feel confessional writer but if i was telling my partner hey, I'm willing to move somewhere I don't really want to live so that I can be with you, but I want us to get married. And if their response was, oh, I mean, I don't care about marriage, but I'll do it for you, that would feel bad. So I wonder if if this is part of it, that maybe he's just by virtue of, you know, being raised the way he was raised, which there's nothing wrong with. He's, you know, never had to experience the feeling of maybe wanting that more traditional, legally recognized union. And if, you know, you're someone who, you know, have parents who've been together for three decades, your model looks different than his. And it can feel really painful (laughs) to hear somebody, you know, potentially downplay an arrangement that is really important to you and to your family. So maybe he needs to hear it that way. Maybe, and I would say this should be a conversation for couples therapy, definitely, because you'll want to have a neutral third party there to help guide the discussion and make sure that you stay on track. But maybe he needs to, you know, hear it from the perspective of, well, how would you feel If instead of saying, yeah, I want to move to the Bay Area to be with you, if I said, yeah, I'll go there if that's what you want, but I hate it there. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's it's a very different tone. So I wonder if that's part of the issue. But no, I don't think you're the asshole. I don't think he's the asshole either. This just sounds like two people who maybe need to do some work to get on the same page or at least figure out what pages they're on. Yeah, and understanding what each person is feeling. It does seem like there's a disconnect there. Like, maybe your boyfriend doesn't truly understand how badly you want to get married. Though I hate to say that because it sounds like you do have a really good relationship. On the other hand, it doesn't seem like you're getting everything you deserve right now. I'm trying to think, like, would I rather stay in L.A. or go to the Bay Area? I I don't really know. At least it's it's probably equally as expensive, so you wouldn't have to factor in cost. Pam, if this is me and you... What would what would happen? You think? 
who's moving to LA or the Bay Area? Are we getting married, Andrew? <laughs> yeah, we're getting married. And <laughs> okay. you're in the Bay Area, like you are right now. Let's say I'm in LA in 2017. I mean, like, if okay, if we're getting married and we're in LA in San Francisco and I'm still in my same career, then I feel like it would make more sense for me to move to LA because that's where the industry is. But if True. I was in like the tech industry, then I would be like, listen, Andrew, you're basically doing this podcast thing and that's tech adjacent. So you might as well just like move over to the Bay Area because it's right, a little I'm bit like, nicer. And Leo's my, my podcast Leo boy, right Leo's there. in the Bay Area. Yes. Maybe I want to go work, work, exactly. work for him. Yeah. See, yes. this is tough. This is tough. It is tough. Yeah. We would have to weigh out the pros and cons. I haven't lived in the Bay Area at all. So it's hard for me to say. But I do know that I think I personally would like to try a different part of California. Mm-hmm. A, a very so see, different it might part. be a non-issue for us. <laughs> it, yeah, I think it would be. I think we would work this out pretty quick. <laughs> Probably, yeah. I'm so sorry this was not helpful to our yeah, professional sorry. writer because like, we just figured this out in five minutes. But This exercise didn't go as I planned. No. Oops. Well, good luck. <laughs> couples therapy. At least you're both down for couples therapy, right? I think yeah. that's going to be a really, that's a really positive step. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so too. The fact that he's willing to to go I think that's a great mm-hmm. first step. But I think that it was Laura who said that it would be better if you could do that in the same city. And I totally agree. Yeah. So yeah. maybe you can like look into working remote for a while. I know that's not always ideal, but at least then you would you would be in the same city or he could work remote. I don't know if either of you have that flexibility, but I think that would help while you're trying to work things out. And if you do move up there, you might end up really liking it. You never know where life's going to bring you in all seriousness. Like, yeah, you know, you'll go up there, but you might you might really come to like it with a new job, with being married. And hopefully he wants to get married, too. And hopefully he'll be like, you know what? I'm going to show babe what I love so much about this city. I'm going to prove to her that this is a great area. And then he's going to buy you a lot of tacos in the Bay Area. (laughs) I would buy you a lot of tacos in the Bay Area, Andrew. There we go. Oh. I thought I was just going to say, and Pam, you can hang out with Pam. And if I move up there to get married to her, then you can hang out with Andrew too. Package deal. <laughs> yes. And please take me to some taco places, Pam. It's some- oh my God. Oh my God. We're going to have to relocate the Millennial Studio. Yeah. Right next to Leo's <laughs> studio in Petaluma. <laughs> there is a very small chance that one day Pat could be working in that uh, Bay yeah. Area or California. I think you mentioned and, that. Um, I would go in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. You would like it, honestly. I'm going home <laughs> to the promised land of California. Anyway, hopefully we were able to help those who uh, whose emails we read today. Keep us posted. We'd love to hear updates when it comes to the confessionals or all emails re- we receive. If you want to submit a confessional or any other email, you can go to millennialshow.com and there's a contact form there. There's also the confessional form there. And if you'd rather just email us directly... Our email address is millennialshow at gmail.com. It's time for some recommendations. I already recommended uh, the uh, plane tip, saving a little money on those upgraded seats. Laura, what's yours? I wanted to recommend uh, Malamander by Thomas Taylor. It's the first book in the Eerie on Sea series. We just interviewed Thomas Taylor on MuggleCast this past week to talk about the 25th anniversary of the original cover art for, or rather the 25th anniversary of Philosopher's Stone, which includes his original cover art for the first Harry Potter book in the UK, that iconic 
image of Harry standing in front of the Hogwarts Express. Uh, we had a really great conversation. So I recommend the episode, but also the the books just sound so interesting that I've already ordered them. So this is kind of a pre-recommendation, but based on what I've heard, I think I'm really going to like it. I wanted to recommend Therabreath's Whitening Mouthwash if you're looking to upgrade your mouthwash game. Um, I drink a lot of coffee, so I whiten my teeth every once in a while. And this is just like so much easier than strips or anything else you have to like paint on and keep in your mouth for a while. So that's definitely an added bonus. It's also made without peroxide. So if you have tooth sensitivity when you're whitening with strips like I have had in the past, this might be a bit more of a gentler formula. I'm really enjoying it so far. And um, it's like eight bucks, so it's not too bad. So if you need to whiten your teeth or if you need some new mouthwash, I would pick up a bottle and see if it works for you. I usually just get mine at Target, but I'm sure you can buy it at other places. And it really works for you, huh? Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah, I feel well, like I have a pretty good teeth. I like to keep my teeth looking nice. So Okay. I use the strips, but yeah. and I think they work, but I don't know. I I feel I want to try something else. The thing is with the strips too is that like they don't always get into like the nooks and crannies of your teeth. Uh. So what I do is I well first of all I floss, so that's really helpful. But then I also brush with like a tooth whitening toothpaste, and I don't I'm not like married to a specific brand there, so you can just pick whatever you think works best for you. And then just adding this in has really helped so far. I noticed the difference within like the first week doing it morning and night. So wow, mm-hmm. okay, okay, cool. Couple other reminders: we'd love your support at Patreon. I've got a uh, behind the paywall story coming up on our Patreon today. Something happened with my neighbor that I cannot believe that I witnessed. And then we're gonna have a laid back discussion on the worst thing in each of our cities. This was inspired by us talking off air about. At least in my opinion, everybody says their city has the worst drivers. And I've got news for everybody. The worst drivers are everywhere. They're not limited to a certain city. Everybody needs to stop saying this. It's not just your city. Everybody sucks. But we thought this could open up a larger discussion about what actually sucks in each of our cities. So this and my neighbor story are coming up at patreon.com slash millennial today. When you do pledge at $5 or higher, you get access to Mega Millennial which is the main show ad-free with After Dark on the end. You can listen to all of our bonus audio content in most podcast apps. So you don't have to visit Patreon every week to listen to this bonus content. You can just listen to the bonus content just like you do all your other podcasts. Thanks, everybody who supports us. We really appreciate it. And one more reminder, make sure you follow us on social media. We are Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And then over on TikTok, we are Millennial Pod. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. And don't forget, we're here to break your soul. Bye, everybody. (laughs) 